And this is where people very often ask me, what's the best SEO tool out there? The best SEO tool, and people will not imagine this, how often we just use Google as our main SEO tool. Because if I want to rank for best SEO agency, I need to see what Google is ranking for best SEO agency. So I type in literally best SEO agency, see what's coming up there, and then make up my mind, can I produce a similar piece of content? Can I emulate the kind of links these pages get? Is this only a list of sites that have been around for 20 years? Therefore, it's a moving target. Absolutely. It's something you always need to be on top of, exactly. This is Superfast Business with James Schramko. James Helping you build your business super fast. James Schranko here. Welcome back to superfastbusiness.com. This is episode 787. I brought it back, my special SEO friend, Gert Malik. Welcome back. Uh, thank you very much. Hi, James. Great to be here again on the show. Always love your input. You work with so many people in our community that every time you come on, you're serving a whole bunch of existing customers. <laughs> of course, some people reach out to you at seoleverage.com if they want some help with SEO. What I want to really cover with you today is the idea that SEO never sleeps. It's not a done and finished type activity. So I'd love you to sort of address what the world looks like from your perspective as an SEO business owner. And I can actually relate to you in that (laughs) because one thing when I was running an SEO business, I realized that we had to spend a significant portion of our time on research and development, Mm. that whatever today's standard is and whatever's ranking today, we could only accept that that is today's result and we should not assume that that will be the case next year. And even as as I think about our own business and the help that you've been giving us, we've always got a new target, a new thing to focus on. Even something that was in place before might have slipped, whether it's a page speed or an article that was ranking starts to slide back a bit. So can you just take us through what it looks like from your perspective as an SEO business owner? Why do you think SEO never stops? What sort of things should we be thinking about as a business with our ongoing SEO work? Where do we focus What sort of things should we keep in mind when it comes to momentum? I'm going to hand over to you and I want you just to spill the beans. Take us behind the scenes. Tell us what's really going on with you and your client base on an ongoing basis so that we could end up by the end of this episode with a handy checklist of, you know, X number of things that we should consider that if they're, even if they're good today, we want to keep an eye on for tomorrow. This is really such a good point. Let me maybe start what happens if you don't consider SEO being an ongoing thing, right? What happens is, and what we see time and again, I have calls with clients with sites like these all the time. They have been very smart years ago to start the content game. They have been very smart to hire someone, gave them detailed instructions of the pain points of their client base, questions they might be asking, topics they might be interested in. They have been building up a huge content base of maybe 500, 1500 articles over the years. And those articles a few years back did really well because the whole landscape was completely different. Google worked completely, most to a large extent, very differently from how they operate today, what they consider good SEO or solid whitehead SEO today. So what we see on those sites is that they have a lot of content that was very good, but it's just if you compare it with what users might expect today, it's just not up to users' expectations these days. And I want to give you an example. Five years ago, six years ago, you published an article with no image, no formatting, but the article was really good. 
it used to rank very well. And especially if it then got engagement, comments and social shares and stuff like that, it was probably enough to have a page one, if not a position one ranking back then, depends on the niche. What happens today is imagine you open up Google, you perform a search, you come to a page that has only text. There is no subheadline. There is no formatting. There is no styling. There are no images. There is no video or audio embedded. It's just not the user experience we expect today. And then we want to know that Google wants to make users happy. I say this probably 10 times, 20 times every day to my clients because it's essentially everything we do goes around this main theme. Google wants to make users happy. Same with Facebook, Twitter, all platforms have essentially copied Google's focus on user satisfaction, user happiness, and are able to adjust what users need to see based on this main premise. So what this means for us is that this article six years ago was doing very well, isn't making users happy today. How does Google know this? Google knows this because they might send a user to this site. The user might come back to Google and click on another result. If I were Google, I would say, okay, probably this wasn't really convincing them enough. So I need to provide something different. Let's shift results and put something else on top and see how this does, right? Just like a very basic understanding of how Google operates. And then they probably add 250 layers on top of that, right? But Google is trying to send people to a search result that's going to make them happy. Out of this premise, what we need to see is that user behavior and user expectations change over time. So based on technology, advances, expectations, we get saturated with what we see. We want to see new things. There's a lot of things coming into this. We need to see that what's ranking today on page one is not going to be what in four months, six months is going to make users happy, maybe not even next week. So we need to always make sure we have a good understanding of what it is in our industry and even on specific search queries that Google really wants to present to users because they know based on all the information, all the signals they gather, that this is most likely making users happy. So this is the same, the, the main premise that just requires them to do SEO on an ongoing basis and take like the most important elements week after week, month after month, year after year, and make sure that the entire content base, the entire article based on our website is up to the standard that Google expects to send their users to. So some of the things that come to mind, like I remember we had to convert from HTTP to HTTPS. I remember we had to think about mobile first and then responsive design. Like Even recently on episode 775, we put this epic chart of all the programs we have for coaching, what's included in them, how much they cost. And then my team went and they coded it all to make it responsive so that it would work on any browser size. These are things we didn't really think about seven or eight years ago. They're those changes. I imagine things like page speed, et cetera, there's probably been some inflation there. Like maybe sites get faster and faster as the internet gets better and better and mobiles get more and more used. You said before, like originally you might have just had a text article and then you might have had a text with images and so forth, maybe text with images and videos. What sort of user behavior changes are you seeing across the board that would cause you to say, well, this is the minimum standard for what I'd want to see in a post I especially want to address this, I guess a little selfishly, but when it comes to super fast business, right? This post is going to go up at episode 787 on the site. You're the guy who helps me with my SEO. What would you say to my team or, you know, maybe you actually do, but would you share with our listeners, what do you tell my team we want to see on a page where 787, that episode is showing 
what would be the elements that you think are in line with the current requirements that maybe you're missing from what would have been the case three years ago? I mean, the face that we've been doing podcasts for 10 years, so a lot has changed, but our basic framework hasn't changed that much in terms of the podcast, the bullet points and the transcription. But I'm wondering if we still should do a transcription, if we should just have, you know, a content rich article or the condensed version of it or just the show notes. Are we overdoing it? Are we missing an opportunity? Are we behind the times? Like where is the current state of play? I think what we need to understand is not everything we put up on a website is rankable material. Okay. So I would want to filter what we show to Google and ask Google to index and actively go in and say, okay, this podcast was great. We're going to promote it on social media or this article is very interesting for our audience. Let's put it on the membership. Let's put it on the blog or on our social media sites. But this is not something anybody is going to search for. Okay. So if you think about the SEO episodes we have been doing, there are probably people looking for link building advice. There's probably people looking for a site audit. We tackled in another episode. Maybe not many people looking into ongoing SEO because this is something nobody wants to really know that this is an ongoing thing and they might not be searching for this episode in particular. It's certainly bad news, isn't it? It's absolutely bad news and <laughs> I even had a client that was a funny story. They said, this is really hard to sell, right? SEO is really hard to sell. Why? Because this is something we can't give any guarantees. Any SEO agency giving guarantees is lying to you. It's an ongoing thing. You need to put a lot of resources, energy, time, money into it Next month is going to be different than this month. So you need to keep up with the standards. It's an ongoing thing. It can work so well that you can provide free leads every single day, but you need to do a lot for it, right? I reckon one of the fundamentals of that is that, and I think you've talked about this before, having good SEO, if you want to break it all down, it's simply seeing who's ranking for what you'd like to rank for and then one-upping them. Exactly. You just got to go one better. If they have 10 links, you want 11 links. They have certain keywords appearing, you want those certain keywords appearing. So that's why I think it creates inflation. Like whatever the standard is today, you've got three or four people out there saying, I'm going to knock off that website. I'm going to get an extra link. I'm going to improve the quality of the page. I'm going to add those keywords. I'm going to tune up my page title. I'm going to add a video to this page. I'm going to link to it from other places within my website. I'm going to prune other articles that aren't important from my robot text so that Google gives my site more favor. I'm going to speed up our website. So basically, the competitors are out there trying to beat us. And just to your point about selling SEO, I've actually found it really easy. But I have an insider advantage because so many SEO businesses suck that when my customers say, where do I go for SEO? I just say, just go to SEO Leverage. Gert is the man. He does our SEO. He gets the results. I love working with him. I work very closely with him. I've seen his team. I've even worked with people in his team in my own business. So when there's such a sea of charlatans and average operators, it's actually easy to stand out. And uh, you stand out on the merits of the results you get, which is phenomenal. And it only, only takes a little while for people to see those results come through because of your framework and because of the innovation that you showed me the other day, which I'm super excited about. And I know you're practically doing cartwheels and it's hard sometimes to pick that up in your tone. 
But you're very excited about this, and I hope these two items come into our discussion today as well. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I need to work on my tone. I want to get back to this, the rankable material which we're talking about, because I think many of your people in your audience might run a podcast, might think about starting a podcast, and podcast sites are one of these sites that are really affected by the change that happened over the last years. Okay, so where a transcription, for example, a few years back was perfectly fine and could rank very well, because there probably wasn't too much competition. And then over time, what happens on podcast sites is that automatically episodes and transcriptions get similar over time because essentially you have, everybody has a few main themes they really like to talk about and they invite guests about these topics. And then for Google, sometimes it can get hard to differentiate. So if you've got two episodes about email marketing and you have got a transcription of those episodes, how should Google know which one to rank when somebody searches for email marketing? So we need to help Google a little bit because otherwise Google is going to pick one and they might pick a different one every time. And if they pick the one that's not that optimized, you might rank on page five. If they pick the one that's optimized, you might rank on page one. So we always need to make sure that Google knows exactly, without a doubt, which URL should be ranking for a certain key term. And whenever we on an, in our ongoing work determine that there is what's called a cannibalization, where one article eats up the other article's potential, essentially, we want to step in and act and put certain tactics into place in order to avoid this. Okay. You were talking about our development. We have an, a framework. Maybe let's start with the framework, right? So in order to make sure we do ongoing SEO in the right way, keep the quality standards up based on a guy I knew, Tim Schremko, who once told me that it's good to have a framework for the things you want to do with a certain quality label. We came up with a framework called Erica. And Erica really is an acronym for the steps we walk clients through every couple of weeks in our ongoing consulting. So I think what differentiates us and what at the end of the day, as you say, makes SEO not such a difficult sale is that we are very open and transparent. And this is the feedback we get from a lot of clients, from other podcasts where I'm on, etc. We don't hold anything back, right? We're giving all the information. People don't have to understand the details about SEO, but it's very easy to make sure people understand what we are going to do and why. Okay, so this is what, where they come from other agencies and they say, okay, they charged my retainer fee, they sent me a monthly report, I don't really understand it, and then they charge again and send me the next report, and that's about it, what the SEO agency is, and on top of that, I'm not getting results, right? Whereas we say, okay, look, dear client, we are going to spend the next two weeks focusing on these things, we want you to put up two articles if you can, otherwise my team is going to help you. We are going to do research on this competitor in particular, going to talk about what's working for them, going to talk about what they did in the past that was working well, that's not working anymore. And this is something you can leverage for your site right now, for your content, for your growth. So this is where we then walk them through the Erica framework. And E, for example, stands for evolution, where we just make sure, and this is a very big point many agencies miss out there, is to make sure the client knows what's the current status of the SEO. Because sometimes they might just check the overall traffic they're getting or the number of leads, but they don't even break it down by channels. They don't even know that organic channel is a different number of leads than the social media channel or the direct hits etc., or referrals, etc. So we want to make sure we know how many conversions, and this is at the end of the day really what counts. We couldn't care less about traffic if it doesn't convert. What are the conversions that come in through the different channels? And what's the evolution of this? At the same time, what are your main competitors doing? Your competitors online aren't necessarily the competitors you have in mind. So, so we asked our clients, obviously, which competitors they're kind of following, etc. 
But then we very often come up with sites they have never seen before, but they are coming up on every single top 10 result on Google and they are just competing with them. They might not even have the same business model. But if you're an affiliate site, for example, a forum might be your competitor because they just have content that Google wants to rank. So we want to make sure everybody's aware of the evolution of their site, the conversions, but also about their competitors, what they are doing, what they are up to and the main rankings. Then the next step is R and R stands for research. So SEO is a lot of research. You mentioned we also have an R&D department. We do a lot of research development, testing, testing SEO theories, testing SEO ideas, confirming what Google tells us, which is not necessarily in every industry applicable. What they tell is good SEO. Try to prove, for example, we just did another site speed test to prove how much site speed can have an impact under equal conditions and things like those, how alternative texts have Google images. We've got it. We're always essentially running five tests every week, at least in order to make sure we are on top of what's happening and then redo those tests over time because some findings might be different. But research also includes competitive research, research on the site, what can be done, everything from user experience. We focus a lot on conversion in this step where we research what could be calls to action. I just had a client double conversions because we suggested they put their call to action not only at the bottom of the page, but also after the second paragraph. And they just immediately doubled conversion. We check out how the devices are working. We sometimes do usability tests on a mobile phone, for example, because very often people completely ignore the mobile version. And which is interesting because most sites these days have at least 60 or 70 percent mobile traffic. And what this essentially means is that they are going to need to really work on the mobile usability. And on top of that, Google is doing what they call a mobile first indexing these days. And this means that they are going to crawl your site as if they were a mobile and judge on this site from the mobile user experience perspective. Okay, so we heard E for evolution, R for research. Then we have got I for what do I call interlinking, which is internal and external links. And this is where we check what is happening with the internal links from one page to the other one. Are we creating a content structure Google can understand? Because sometimes if we just have a flat list of articles without any hierarchy, without any pillar articles, supporting articles and a proper structure, it's really hard for Google to send someone into this structure. Whereas if we create what's called a content silo or content cluster, this is essentially a main article with a lot of specific articles or supporting articles, as they call them, around them. It's very easy and a very easy or safe bet for Google to send a user into this cluster just because they are going to find what they're looking for. Even if Google doesn't have 100% clarity about the search intent, about why they wanted to do this search, they're going to find within this cluster based on the internal linking what they're looking for. External links are still important. External link building is probably one of the hardest things to do in SEO, I think, because you kind of need a network and need a lot of processes, ideally software to support this. You need to be consistent. We sometimes have to follow up with people five times until we get a response. If it is the site we really, really want to link to our client, for example, and we have all this lined up in our link building team where we just already have like a broad network of contacts to site owners we can leverage. And then on an ongoing basis, really with every new client, we add to this contact base to make sure we are able to create high quality and especially highly relevant links to our client site. And this is just a, a signal Google wants to see. So it's one thing that you have the best content. It's another thing if others confirm this by linking to your site. Okay. Then we have got C for, which stands for content. 
Content is king. Content is the most important thing. It's the reason why somebody comes to your site in the first place. In terms of content, we also want to integrate a little bit design. And I just had a, a great chat with Greg Merrilis, for example, from Studio One Design, where we talked about the design really being the reason why somebody bothers reading your content. Okay, so they come to your website. They're going to get an overall impression and then they're going to decide subconsciously to read the headline, read the first couple of sentences. But if the design is crappy, they're just hitting the back button. So this is what we very often a tough decision or discussion at the beginning of a project where I know in my mind the main reason this person doesn't succeed is because the design is crappy, right? It doesn't look serious. It doesn't look professional. There are images with different sizes. The mobile responsive version isn't working well. The header doesn't look serious. This is a standard template I've seen 100 times before. This isn't anything that could be different. So this is where design, content and design kind of blends together into what I would say called content presentation. And the content presentation needs to convince me. Otherwise, back button, other result, negative user signal, ranking drop. It's as simple as that. I was just talking about this on episode 784 with Dan Norris about how important design is. And I think design is a classic where there's been inflation. The designs I had 10 years ago were not that great. They were pretty good. I had some help with some of my sites, but it wasn't across the board. I'd say if you go to superfastbusiness.com now, it's way better because of Greg Merrilies. And I can't tell you how thrilled I am about the fact that the person who helps me with my graphic design is talking to the person who helps me with the SEO because <laughs> you start lining up all the things. And of course, I've got a bit of a job with the content. I have to get the core content out there, but then my team have to package that and then display it correctly and smush up all the images and chunk the copy to make it usable in the right size font and mm. have to keep the site kicking along. And of course, with super fast results being on 10X Pro, that's been a lot easier, which I know you speak to John Lint over there at 10X Pro as well. So all the people in my network are talking to each other. And then if you tie it up with great sales copy, like Kevin Rogers was talking about in 783, you now have a site that's going to look good, rank well, and actually sell, which for my money is what I'm trying to do with the website. Like that's the ultimate. And it's easy for my team to use and it gets uh, the customer a fantastic result. So this is why we've got this constant theme of the people in my network, you know, communicating with each other. It's the power of that network. And what you've just described there is something I see all the time as a coach when people say, oh, my offer's not converting or, you know, I'm sending a lot of traffic with paid ads and I don't get any money. And I go and look at the site and honestly, it's a dog's breakfast. <laughs> it's just like there's nothing going for it. Like it's 17 different fonts. It's ugly. Doesn't rank for anything. The words are terrible. I'm like, this is a throwaway. You've got to do it right. You've got to do your research. You'll have to get some decent design. You'll have to put the structure correctly if you want to ever rank for it. And if you want someone who comes to the site to inevitably buy, there are things you're going to have to do as well. So I reckon it's a hard game, this online business. I don't say for a second to people this is simple. It is challenging. But I reckon that sounds like you probably do your very best work where you encounter a client who's already in motion and doing okay, but wants to polish it and just accelerate. Would you say that's true? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's probably hard to have a consultant if you're just starting out. It's probably you're going to find your own way. 
you might be reading the book, The Erica Framework, that happens to be published on Amazon. Oh, we'll, we'll put a link to it in the show for you, Gert. <laughs> Look at that promotion there. Seven- it would definitely be a great and affordable start, like I would say. <laughs> um, you definitely want to follow a framework right from the start, even if you can't have a consultant helping you through this. And the reason I'm saying this is because there is just a lot of buckets to fill. I usually tell clients when you want to rank for something in Google. And there is one but page speed. People think page speed is going to change everything. Page speed is just one bucket, right? Under equal conditions, we've tested this in R&D. Page speed, the faster site, is going to rank higher under equal conditions, right? There are tools out there you can use where you can perform a search, check out what's ranking, check out the page speed of every single site that's ranking. And you're going to see that this stage right now might be different next month. It's not the main criteria, right? So... We want to test this. We want to stay on top of this, but this is just one of the buckets. There is another bucket about content, which is probably the thing you want to start with. When you know your audience, you know what they're interested in. However, just writing about what they're interested in doesn't mean people are going to come. You want to write about something they really search for, and you want to write about something in a way that Google wants to rank. And this is where people very often ask me, what's the best SEO tool out there? The best SEO tool, and people will not imagine this, how often we just use Google as our main SEO tool. Because if I want to rank for best SEO agency, I need to see what Google is ranking for best SEO agency. So I type in literally best SEO agency, see what's coming up there, and then make up my mind, can I produce a similar piece of content? Can I emulate the kind of links these pages get? Is this only a list of sites that have been around for 20 years? Therefore, it's a moving target. Absolutely. It's something you always need to be on top of, exactly. So did you tell me the uh, answer about what my page should look like for episode 787? (laughs) What would you like to see as an SEO professional on that page? Yeah, I think that's a point I just also talked with Charlie Walter about podcasting because the podcast is just an add-on, right? This is not something podcasters like to hear. The podcast recording from an SEO perspective is an add-on. It's an add-on that presents a certain type of content as an audio file, right? What happens is that if you think that the audio file plus a little bit of show notes or the transcription is going to be rankable material to come back to this term from before, you're probably missing what Google wants to achieve. And if you think that Google wants to make users happy, they don't want to make users happy that are podcast listeners. They also want to make users happy that like to read. And reading a transcription, there are probably funnier things out there you can do than reading a transcription, right? Because it's just the structure is just not the same. So should we stop doing transcriptions and should we do a condensed article version of the podcast instead? I think you want to do both. I think the transcription is a great tool. Well, obviously, we'll still provide that as a PDF upgrade, right. like which we do now anyway, right? I should point out. Currently, at superfastbusiness.com as at November 2020. You can go to the site and you can read the whole podcast word for word, which I always thought was good. If I say a word like a pink elephant, sometimes actually we pick up traffic for pink elephant. There was this funny episode I did with a comedian guy. He did a joke and he mentioned some obscure act of a thing that's in a more of a gray or black hat type industry, which I won't repeat. But we started ranking and picking up traffic for that. So I've seen firsthand that that can work. However, it might be much more valuable to a user to have a condensed version of the goods. Like we actually do provide that as a PDF upgrade as well. Usually with each episode, you get a transcription 
and you get the cheat sheet or the top seven tips. Like we would have Gert's top seven tips to stay in front of the moving SEO freight train. And it will be the condensed version. Should that be what's on the public side? And then the transcription and the cheat sheet could be the PDF. So we just switch out the content. I would definitely say you want to have a fully featured article that's great to read, that can be skimmed, where there is a lot of value in there, plus the recording, plus the transcription, plus the video, if there's a video. The way I try to think of it is... You don't ask for much. <laughs> no, it's, I think we just need to see that we need to cater to different types of users. So from 10 users, six or seven might prefer an article. Two might prefer the audio recording because they have time and are in a place where they can consume it. And some want to watch the video. And they might be wanting to read the transcription. Yeah. Right? Well, we do give everyone everything at the moment. We're throwing it all out there. Like, Luckily, I have a team of ninjas who are just so good they can publish the audio the video where it's catchable, the PDF, even the cheat sheet. Like that goes on every, and we do it twice a week. I'd say we're actually um, pretty generous as a company. And as you've pointed out to us when we do SEO, we've actually had to prune and no index stacks and stack. How many pages? I don't know, 1,500 pages that weren't getting enough visits. Probably. Yeah. That, so like I just want to do better. I'm at this stage in business where we can hit the accelerator. I've got the resource. I've got an SEO guy. I've got a team. We do make content. I just want to make it good. And I think you're helping us here. I'm definitely going to ask my team to listen to this so they can do whatever you tell them to do. <laughs> and I'll pay them. We're in touch with your team on Slack anyway. Yeah. The other day, we just slightly pointed out page speed could be revisited and the next day it was done. So this was amazing. Yeah, they're very fast. Big shout out to your team there as well. I think the ultimate compliment is when you said, I'd like to hire you guys to do mine. <laughs> <laughs> we would definitely hire them. No questions asked. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're busy. Uh, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, we tried to keep them busy as well. But that being said, I will give a plug for my wife's business. If someone's interested in hiring someone like the people in my team, they might start out at visionfine.com and then train that person. Over time, you'll end up with a team like mine and several years from now, you'll have a good team. So there you go. Yeah, I think it also makes sense in this context to say that we also help training teams. So on our bi-weekly calls, very often we have clients that bring three or four team members on the call. But hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. What does bi-weekly mean to you? Is that twice a week or every two weeks? Sorry, this is every two weeks. Okay, cool. So in Australia, we'd say fortnightly, but that doesn't translate to the US market. So you could say okay. there are two calls a month. Exactly. Two calls a month in order to keep the momentum going. And this really brings me to the A of Erica, which is action steps. Because whenever we finish a call, our clients have one list of action steps where they see what we are going to do for them in the next couple of weeks and what they should be working on based on what we assume are the high impact things they can do right now. There's probably 200 things you can do in SEO. There's probably five that are going to make a difference in the short term. And this is where I see a little bit our role where we want to orientate and say, look, you could right now place 1500 alternative text on images. You are not an image focused business. So let's start creating content instead. Right? People might spend two months and feel very well about their SEO work because they have put all those image alternative texts in place. If people in your target audience are not using image search, it might not be the best use of your time. Okay, so we try to make sure everybody stays focused on what is going to have the high impact 
in the short term, although SEO is a long-term game, we want to focus on the right things in order to make this happen. And this is where really our development comes in. We already mentioned right now, we are still working on a shared spreadsheet where we just line up everything for our clients, pull in the data, pull in the graphics, make sure they have like a dashboard to work with and understand the current situation, the competitive landscape, etc. But we have been working for a few months a web application that's going to be launched for our clients in December which essentially helps them through the ERIC framework. Hang on, stop. I want you to say that again, but I want you to pretend you're very excited about it. Show me that emotion because the other day when you posted about it to me, I could picture you juggling, cartwheels, celebrations, champagne. Probably You showed me a screenshot and it looked phenomenal. I want to feel it. Come on. Are you excited about this application? (laughs) (laughs) So in December... Something we have been waiting to announce for a very, very long time is going to be finally coming through. And this is something our clients are definitely going to appreciate. Because right now, we do our best with tons of spreadsheets and links and screenshots, stuff like that, in order to present them with something they can really work with, something that's actionable, etc. But now has come the time, after a year of thinking about it, a few months of development, 10, 20, 30, 40 pages of documentation, that we can finally announce we are going to have our own Erica application, which means that our clients are going to be able to log into one single place, not three as they do right now. One single place, giving them like a dashboard, like a pilot has on their airplane. So they are going to know what's happening every single day, not only on our fortnightly calls. We're going to know every day they can log in, see what's happening. Our software updates the status. Our software tells them what their competitors are doing, how their competitors are performing. Our software tells them what are the next high impact steps. This is not automatic. This is manually filled by our SEO team. But they are going to know what to focus on. They're going to be able to hand over the keys to this software to their team and say, look, take a look every day. What's happening? Which rankings drop? What can we ask directly within the software to our SEO company in order to make sure we are on the right track? We can notify them about what has been done so we can revise their work in between our strategy calls that we prepare. So this is really something that's going to be a complete game changer. And this is something no SEO agency have. This is something SEO agencies usually use, and we did this as well, a lot of third-party tools. You can white-label them. You can put on your logo. You're always going to have just the same thing with a different color, with a different brand. Whereas our software really illustrates the Erica framework, we have seen so many clients get outstanding results with. And the outstanding results really come from being guided, having some sort of hand-holding approach through the SEO optimization process. And this is where you log in, you have your Erica steps, you know what's the evolution, you can check out the research steps, you can have your action items list where you know your prioritized next high impact actions you need to focus on. You can document them, we can go through the results, the team is going to be notified when you did something to revise it, give you feedback. So this is something I'm extremely excited about and I'm really looking forward to getting this out to our clients finally after so many months of hard work here. Congratulations, mate. And I'm sure you probably invested a lot of money in it as well, which you didn't mention, but... (laughs) Yeah, I know the software thing. (laughs) Oh, my God, software. But when you get it right, it's magic. You know, like Google, we all use Google because they got it right. And it's dominated for the whole time I've been online. 
almost, I think it came around about the same time I got online, Google starting to get popular and uh, took off and has never looked back. So congratulations on having such a great dashboard. The summary, I think the punchline of this episode really is this, that SEO is a moving target. Whatever's working today is great, but you keep an eye out for what you want to be working tomorrow. And if you have a dashboard that shows you when things are starting to change, you can respond quickly. And if you have a check-in every two weeks or twice per month with a proper professional, you can't really slide off a cliff too bad. And so that's why I'm very grateful to have you helping me, Gert. That's why I want you to keep coming back and sharing with our community. If you are listening to this episode 787 and you've got a question for Gert or an SEO challenge that we haven't answered yet, please send me an email, james at superfastbusiness.com. Ask me, I'll ask Gert, I'll get him on here and grill him and uh, get him to, to tell us all the answers. And in the meantime, of course, Gert can be found at seoleverage.com. I just want to say thanks for coming and sharing again. It's always very much appreciated. Yeah, thank you so much. Great to talk to you, share some insights. I hope this is helpful for your audience. And definitely if someone is interested in how this application is turning out, we're going to update our website in December with some screenshots, some insights on what this is doing for people. And at the end of the day, I think SEO is about accountability. We need to keep the momentum going. And this is not done with two weeks focus on SEO. It's done over time, week after week, month after month. Make sure when you put those images up on your site, Gert, that you make them as small as possible. I believe that helps. <laughs> we will try our best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you need a hand, let me know. My team are always happy to help you out. <laughs> Perfect. I'm sure they will. Thanks, Gert. Thank you so much. Discover how to build your business super fast. Check out superfastbusiness.com. Thank you.